0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Support for Jack Ramsey is brought to you by Manscaped. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped just launched their fourth-generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right, the 4.0. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you, 20% off free worldwide shipping with the code JACKED20 at manscaped.com. Again, that's JACKED20 at manscaped.com. And why go with Manscaped? Well, Manscaped engineered the ultimate groin and body trimmer by focusing on intelligent functionality and an incredibly comfortable grooming experience. Their fourth-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology. I now feel confident shaving my boys. So remember, get 20% off and of free shipping with the code JACKED20. That's jacked E D two Zero at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code Jack 20 Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into Jack Ramsey's. I am your co-host, Danny Maring, joined always by Brandon Sprague. Brandon, welcome back from Hawaii. We obviously had you back in, obviously, with Justin Rowan, but now we're back in the normal groove, kind of. It's Labor Day weekend, Sunday night. You've just got home from the world's longest golf golf outing. Uh, what'd you shoot?
2: Um, I'm not <laughs> proud to admit this, and I, I'm really upset you put me on the... Uh, oh, no, the, I saved that 100%.
1: Here. I 100% saved it.
2: I shot a 97. I'm not proud. It was an oh. off round. It was a five and a half hour round. It was a lot of hit and then wait and then wait and then wait. No groove. And then wait and then wait mm. and then hit and then wait and then wait and then hit. Where'd you play? So we played at Quail Valley. Okay. So I went way out in like Banks, Oregon, That's which deep. is super deep from where I live. But I came out to my brother-in-law's house to hang out and we thought, let's play around. I thought, you know teeing off at 1240 I would be totally good for a 6pm podcast <laughs> and here we are damn near an hour late and I'm just like I can't believe it took that long
1: and you didn't even get to shoot that well like it's one no. thing to like have it like like ah, I had a good day I, I was just crushing it but
2: me and my uh, buddy are usually like in the you know like 88 89 90 ish range usually sub, sub
1: 90 is a, is a good day
2: it's, it's a great I'm happy every time Listen, I'm sub the, 90 I'm uh, like yes the
1: best I've ever shot is 80 so See, that's that's it
2: And that would be, if I ever shot below an 85, I would probably cry. (laughs) So to shoot a 97, it's just like demoralizing. You almost look at yourself in the mirror and say, I'm not, I'm just a POS. I don't deserve to breathe oxygen. Just throw the clubs
1: out of the car while you're moving.
2: That's kind of how it felt, yeah. 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 Listen, uh,
1: if, if it helps you, I would love to go shoot a 97 right now. (laughs) <laughs> I would love to be able to go walk a golf course right now. So there is that. And that's not a guilt thing. I'm, yeah. I'm just saying. I would very much like to go. Sh- I have Shehalem Glen. I could throw a rock and hit Shahalem Glen from where I live. and Which
2: is one of my favorite local <sighs> courses. Like, it's top three for me of courses in our area. Oh, it
1: is. It's a beautiful course, but it's just killing me. Because it's yeah. around the corner and I can't touch it. Uh, but the sweet, sweet golf talk is saved for, uh, you know, at the turn. Shout out Joe Simons and his golf podcast. If you haven't already, go oh, check out Oh, there you holidays. go. Look at, look at that. Just a professional <laughs> plug just for the one of the homies. But this is Jack Ramsey. He's brought to you by Blue Wire Podcast Network. And it is a mailbag pod. Uh, we have lots of questions. But before we get into the questions... Uh, The Blazers are just doing a solid after solid when you're thinking, hey, it's August going into September. The suck factor is going to be high because you're going to have to claw and scrape to get something. No, they give us two little nuggets of new, new nuggets. We're not we're not talking fast food here. Uh, Dennis Smith, Jr., another point guard, which Mm -hmm. has got people very angry. Um, (laughs) Why has he got people angry? uh, Because he's another another six, three guard. So people are very, very mad about that. Um, And then there's also the addition of Marquise Chris. I should say, not the addition. Both of these guys are on training camp contracts, which let's take this back for a second. I had Phil Beckner on the pod, what, a month ago? And one of the things we talked about was how hard it is to stay in the NBA Mm -hmm. and why players spend more time becoming good to great at something than they do becoming okay to good or average at something. And if you look at guys like Marquise Chris and Dennis Smith Jr., what are their skills? Do they have an elite skill that they can bank on? Mm-hmm. And I think no is the answer. And that's why they're taking training camp invites when they were both lottery picks. You know, you had Marquise Chris uh, in uh, 2016. He was the mm-hmm. eighth overall pick. And Dennis Smith Jr., the ninth overall pick in 2017. And that's, that's a kick in the teeth, man. Like, you've, you've got top 20 players in the NBA. And, that, and then after that, you've got your really, really good near all-stars for about 25 players. Then after that, you've got your good role players. And then after that, that's that's the, the, the churn. Like, there's 450 guys in the NBA. There's a little bit more now. Let's call it like 480 when you get the two ways and minimum contract. But look at how many minimum guys are good players now. Yeah. Right. You, you saw C.J. McCollum talk about this or I shouldn't say talk about it, dance around this as the new M.B.P.A. president, president. But like the whole idea of that NBA middle class disappearing and either you're a big fish, you're maybe getting that next contract, a la Norman Powell, Gary Trent Jr., that 20 million. And then there's the the guys after that, like the Robert Covingtons of the world who get that MLE-ish money and Nurk, And then after that, who knows? Like the, yeah. the the six seven eight million dollar guys outside of like the rookie scale top ten picks, those kind of guys, that the money just isn't there anymore. It's kind of weird. So these guys like top tier lottery picks like Dennis Smith Jr. And, and and Marquise Chris, they're out of the damn near out of the league. Like when you look at that, like what's your when you see Dennis Smith Jr. and Marquise Chris are training camp invites, when that pops up on your phone, what's the first thing you think about?
2: Well, first of all, I think it's it's name recognition for me because they were just drafted what feels like a year ago, right? Mm-hmm. Like when you think of Dennis Smith Jr., I remember him coming out, and I think we've talked about this off the air. We both were people that I, I liked him. You saw the tape. You'd, you'd read about him. You thought, okay, he's 6'3", but he plays a little longer. He's more athletic. I like the potential in that Marquise Chris we saw here in our own backyard in the Pacific yep. Northwest. The thing about that, though, is I feel like not that long ago – we would we would evaluate players going into drafts or in free agency, and you would say, "Well, he's a super athletic freak," mm-hmm. and that almost used to be viewed as a skill set. In some ways, it still kind of is, but now I feel like the way the NBA is evolving, you have to have an actual discernible skill set that actually Something. helps on the court. Because being an athlete's great, but Marquise Chris is one of those. I wasn't sure coming out of college. I didn't really like. I, Phoenix drafted him. I, I, I wasn't really sure how good or bad he was going to be because when I watched him in college, all I saw was an athletic freak who mm-hmm. rebounded and had put back dunks. Dennis Smith Jr. was a dude that I thought was going to be a better shooter. I thought he'd be able to handle the rock a little better. In Inconsistency terms of, was his issue. His inconsistencies is really what plagued him. Marquis Chris didn't really quite have that skill set. So what I think I've seen the last couple of years is, though it's a very high-level skilled league, and we've known that forever, it's getting higher. It's getting even higher, and it's crazy because it feels like just yesterday, people like Derrick Jones Jr., who Blazers just traded, Dennis Smith Jr., you'd be like, hey, what's he good at? Well, he's a really freak athlete, and you'd kind of get excited about that. Now, it's like if he can't shoot the ball, and he's not an amazing screen setter or great on defense, I don't really know if I care all that much. So when I saw these pickups, I mean, I hope we can pick up one of them, if not both, but when I saw the pickups, I thought, you know what? it's not bad to take a chance on guys who might be super desperate to stay in the league.
1: And that's the thing is that first of all, they the like, Dennis, Smith junior stuff. I, I know a lot of people were, were frustrated. Like, Oh, it's another six, three point guard uh, guys. It's the 14th roster spot. These guys aren't supposed to play. These are break glass in case of emergency stuff. Yeah. That's what this is. Like it's, Everybody's like, oh, if you're the Blazers, you can't land the big fish. you got to win on the margins. The margins are much further up the roster. That's in this. Like, I have plenty of things to throw Neil O'Shea under the bus for. The list is plenty long. This is not one of them. This is like the whole Greg Brown, uh, the third thing. Like, he drafted a project in the second round. Like, that's not a bad thing. You do not need to conflate drafting a kid taking a flyer on somebody at the back end of the roster. Like those are things that as a good GM or a good president you should do. And if you want to be frustrated about things, be frustrated about the things at the front end of the roster. Like mm-hmm. that's save the anger for the for the other guys cuz they're just right. trying to make a team, man. Like those those dudes are just like you hope somebody hits. But you go look at every title team ever. Nobody gives a damn about the 14th and 15th guy. Nobody they don't right. play. If we're talking about 10, 11, 12, then you can maybe make a little bit of an argument. If we're talking about 7, 8, 9, yes. Now yeah. you can be irritated. Now you can go... And it's There's there's levels to this stuff. So the Blazers taking a flyer on these guys is a good thing. Now, I don't like it in the sense of, well, eh, now you got to give Neil credit because you know, he's going to sell... Ah, these guys were lottery picks, you know? Ah because that's that's what Neil does. And and you can you can hear the Media Day press conference. You know, hey, Dennis Pitts Jr. He, he's a really explosive young talent. Uh, we're we're glad to to have him in camp and see what he can do for the team. Uh, Marquise Chris, local guy. We're very familiar with them.
2: These are uh, players we evaluated, you know, because yeah. you have to be ready in the draft just in case. Uh-huh. We like the draft, and uh, and we if were they had fallen, on fallen,
1: if we had fallen to us, we had taken a look at him. <laughs> uh, we had him ranked very highly on our board. It, I mean, like, we've we've done this long enough. We know how it would go.
2: My thing is what you said there. It's like, what are the top end moves that he made or didn't make? That's how you evaluate it because largely this league is going to be predicated on who your top six players are and everything else is filler. And it's just really background noise. I have no problem with what Neil O'Shea did with Dennis Smith Jr. and Marquise Chris, but I'm not evaluating him on those moves. I'm not going to sit here and be like, well, you know, let's grade it, and I'm going to give him a good grade because he picked them up. He had nothing to work with in a couple of roster spots. He picked up guys that are in desperate need of jobs. Okay, fine. But I'm going to evaluate him more on what he did or did not do near the top half, and we all know what he has not done at the top half. So that's how I evaluate it more so than going, what did he do for our 14th, 13th, and 15th type guys?
1: Exactly. And that's, I think that's, the, that's one of the things that you and I agree on this in this regard. I'm not sure if we'll agree here. Okay who would you rather have between who between dennis Pitts jr and marquise chris because you only got one spot i mean technically you have two but we both know they're not carrying both
2: i, I think the difficult thing in, in picking between them is is knowing what the future holds right so mm-hmm. if, if you were to tell me nurk plays his usual amount of games cody zeller plays his usual amount of games
1: <laughs> how many games is that brandon
2: it's not 82. Dan, <laughs> Dan, it's not 82. I'm not even sure it's 72. In fact, I'm hoping it's seventy 60 for Zeller.
1: 70 is the cutoff, I think, for like okay. any hopes and dreams. So Nurk is the most he's ever played. He's 79. And that was his first full year in Portland. Zeller has played 82, but it was his rookie year, and he only started three games.
2: I think because of my coworker tweeting out what Dennis Smith Jr. tweeted out months and months and years ago, I am obligated to say Dennis Smith Jr. in this setting because I want to see him slaying wood at the Moda Center against the Sacramento Kings one night when CJ or Dame decides not to play.
1: Listen, the 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 first chance if he signs, if he makes the team, yeah. if he throws an absolute dime, if he dunks on if he dunks on somebody and puts his hmm on somebody's face, you're
2: gonna tweet a oh, D
1: pick. Oh my. <laughs> Well, D-picks are the, they're just Danny picks. That's what they are.
2: <laughs> we have a listener asking for nudity. Yeah. I feel like that's the only way to bring the nudity out is if Dennis Smith Jr. is slanging wood <laughs> all over the Sacramento Kings.
1: Well, this is Jack Ramsey's, and then we're going to have a, a new segment called Slang wood. and
2: slangin Wood. I do Wood. Hey, I wouldn't be mad at that. We could <laughs> talk about the all-time great showblazer, Dennis Smith Jr., even if he doesn't make the roster. It'd
1: be great because then we just casually mention that every now and then. Be, <laughs> right. It'll be brought to you by Par Lumber.
2: Right. <laughs> Need a two-by-four and it's not in your pants? Call Barlow. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, like, he,
1: I'm, I'm with you on, like, the entertainment value. Yeah. Um, it also gives some, like, viable point guard insurance because if Dame goes down for any period, if CJ goes down for any period, it's all hands on. Like, that second unit when CJ went down, playmaking, gone. 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 <laughs> Bye-bye. Canter, nope. Yeah. Mello, nope. Yeah. Ant shot creation for himself. Still working on the other stuff. Right. You just looked at it and you're like, "Nah, this is this is a disaster." <laughs> um, Nance is going to alleviate some of that, but you can't you can't sit there and have him run the second unit. Like he's a great greaser of the team. We talked about it with Justin Rowan. If if you guys haven't watched it, we had an. Please hour, go listen to that it was, pod. It was an hour and a half with Justin. Oh, it was and we, amazing stuff. We talked about Larry Nance Jr. pretty much endlessly. Pretty he gave awesome. us great content. Yeah, no, he's he's had um, Larry on uh, the Chase Down podcast before, and Larry's a great dude. And they've had yep. they've, he's he's covered him his entire time in Portland or in uh, in Cleveland, so he's got some great insight on him. Um, I'm going to go the other way here. Okay, I, I'm going to go Marquise Chris. Uh, and that is because of exactly what we talked about in the whole, how many games will they play? Uh, I, I don't trust Nurk to stay healthy and it's just, it's not like I I'm like, Oh, he's, he's frail and broken. No, he's seven foot 300 pounds. Those guys, Shaquille O'Neal is the only guy in NBA history to play a consistent career at that size up until like what year 14. Yeah. And not criminally miss games. He's the only guy ever. That's it. That's the list. When you get to like, holy crap sized, it's, you just, your body falls apart. I mean, you look at Joel Embiid, you look at Yao Ming, you look at, oh my God, Greg Hoden. Like, it's just, when you get that big, it's just not possible. And Zeller is not a small human being. Like, he's a true seven footer, but he's not nearly as bulky. But when you, the second you cross like 6'10", that is that is exactly like the threshold of like, eh, not good. See, that's 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 pro move right there. Sneak in the back door and then not make a sound and then hey,
2: hey. I don't even know who that it was probably my sister in law, not knowing I'm in her bedroom doing a podcast. Just
1: it was almost I we could have had the meme there if you were over <laughs> a little bit where she was like oh <laughs>
2: I'm gonna slide this way now and block a door. No, it's
1: perfect. I you know,
2: love it. Just in case.
1: Um,
2: no, but you're 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 right. And even with Zeller, like Zeller's not as big as Nurk. But if you just go look at, this, he's played this, sixty games. Like that he, that's the magic number. But he's lucky to play sixty. Yeah. His last four years, I don't know if he's played more than sixty. So it's like, man, I. And then I, Nance, I, Nance has never played more than sixty-six. And I, I, I don't blame you for picking, Chris. Overall, I mean, I'll admit, you're probably right here. I'm just also thinking about the other side where we just watched CJ go down, and I was thinking, if Ann isn't ready to be distributor, kind of— Yeah, like who's—I yeah. don't know who's leading that unit, so I don't know if there's a wrong answer here. You're probably more yeah. right because bigs are more likely to miss time versus CJ, but— For the most part— They're both probably needed. Yeah, that they
1: are. They, they should roster them both. But we know they're not going to because they need to keep the, the roster spots open for flexibility, because they've done really well with using those in the past. Yeah. All right. Well, that's enough of uh, that part of it, and that does touch on. I think there's a couple questions in here. Um, you know what? Screw it. I'm gonna I'm gonna hit this is this one kind of pertains to this, but it goes to the next stage. Okay. This has come from Colin Pettit uh at colin pettit what's your guys thoughts on the battle for the 14th roster spot between dsj and chris we've already kind of hit on that here's i think the next part of this do you think they'll bring in a third or a fourth younger guy as well Where where do you think are they going to bring in somebody else in the camp invite that's two like name names but i feel like they'll probably bring in one or two more
2: if they do it's going to be somebody i probably have to google (laughs) It's We're not like, going to, I don't you, think it's going to be anything. You won't like, have
1: to just Google Neil Olshay prospect.
2: I mean, yeah, <laughs> th- that's always a safe bet is just go with <laughs> Neil Olshay guys, right? In some capacity.
1: I mean, you're going to find out Chauncey's suiting back up for the 15th roster spots.
2: Well, I, look, I, I'm not trying to get ahead here. We don't need to dive into this part of my answer here, but just kind of your general thoughts quick as possible. And we can maybe get to questions related to this later. Are they done? Are they done making moves? That is the million-dollar question, and I I, I I know how I feel. Yeah. But I think you need to be honest and reasonable and say it's not done yet. This, the offseason's not completely over for them yet. Camp starts in a couple weeks.
1: We I mean, we have actual basketball in, like, 30 days.
2: It's a wait-and-see. I know. It's a wait-and-see situation, and I think if you if you have a no answer to that, then, yeah, you're probably going to say they'll pick up some random that nobody really knows that much about. But if you think they're still going to make a trade in the obvious direction, that changes everything.
1: That that changes literally everything that you're doing. Let's be honest. Um, (laughs) This from Jimbo, at Jimmy0726. uh, I hope the question at Monday's presser can be asked, does a changing staff take any responsibility for the loss? If yes, what is being done to not make those decisions again? Brandon, I think your retweet got a Oregon State question in here. (laughs) Please, explain what the hell happened with your Beavers.
2: Uh, Poor play calling and execution and bad decision-making at quarterback. I mean, if you really want to get into it, we can, but we don't need to because this is Jack Ramsey's, but I'm sorry about that mishap. Um, I know. But, I love that
1: somebody was so pissed off at Oregon State. They're like, you know what, Brandon? I know you do a basketball podcast, but here's my Beavers question.
2: They should have. They should have won the game. I mean, I'm sorry. They had opportunities. They made the wrong decision at quarterback, and they made a switch way too late. That sounds exactly like, s- like every
1: other team in the Pac-12 North.
2: Right I mean, now. it literally was the Pac-12 weekend summed <laughs> up. Right? It was just like <laughs> wrong damn quarterback, quarterback bad,
1: bad decision making. Like coaches just- were kind of bums. <laughs> Like, you literally could insert that for every single Pac-12 North team this
2: weekend. God bless UCLA, Uh, right, Danny?
1: You're a monster. God. (laughs) (sighs) It it sucks because Coach O went in there talking a whole heap of trash. Uh, to the UCLA fans. The sissy blue shirt. Oh, yeah. I saw that. I was like, good for you, Coach Uh, O.
2: He's got the USC ties, right? So he knows that rivalry. know, he
1: knows it real well. Um, All that matters is USC won and on to the next, all right?
2: Uh, Tune in to Dirt and Sprague tomorrow, and I'll answer that Oregon State question. Perfect. That'll (laughs) tee it up
3: for tomorrow. I love it. are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.
1: Uh, buh, 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 buh. Here we go. This is from Austin. At Austin 951-05850. Do not call that number. Uh, is there any historical precedent for precedent, not precedent, precedent, for a center dramatically increasing his finishing around the rim, it seems like for us to be a potential contending team, Nurch needs to drastically improve around the rim.
2: This is an answer for you because you dive into the numbers of this stuff. I can't tell you whether that's precedent that a guy is going to change everything. I would say no, but I don't know. It. Guys have gotten
1: better finishing, but at the center position in particular, it's usually like, oh, I'm big. So therefore, I'm good at this. Um, guys that are bad around the rim are typically bad around the rim. You don't see guys improve, particularly the big man position, because guess what? They're just big. They don't have like this elite level, um, nimble, fluid movement, you know, or, you know, where you're attacking downhill. Like Dame, Dame was really bad as a finisher coming into the league. As far as like a top level guy, uh, he spent two years really working on it. And now he's solid. He's not great. He's not Kyrie or Steph, but he's he's pretty damn good in that regard. Mm-hmm. Those are the kind of jumps you see. It's typically with guards or wings. Um, shooting itself is probably the, the easiest, this, again, easiest, air quotes, skill to improve incrementally, but that's different from finishing. It's usually it's a combination of touch, footwork, balance, body control, um, strength. All of things, ner- like when he puts it all together, you're like, oh, that looks like an all-star big, right? Like, when you see him flash a move and then just show just absolute finesse on a finish, you're like, oh, that's that's gorgeous, Nurk. Where the hell is that? And then, you know, you see, the again, the flip shots. And it's just, it's it's about, it's not about skill or talent with Nurk. It's about, again, consistency. And historically, there's not a ton of precedence. You either have it or you don't. Uh, getting better incrementally, yes, there have been examples of that. But, like, Going from one of the worst finishers in the league of big yeah. man to like average above average doesn't typically happen. I mean, Andre Drummond made a career out of being a bad finisher. Yeah, so that's just kind of how it goes. Unfortunately, um, that's uh, how that would said. All right, this is the uh, this is the big banner question. Obviously, outside of the two additions, this from Forsher sure, at Forsher. Sure. Just lie to us and tell us Olshay would consider a trade for Simmons, even though we know he won't. It's like telling your kids Santa is coming. Where do you you fall on the Simmons stuff right now?
2: I mean, where I fall is if Maury's desperate enough, please make the move. It's negligent if you don't even make the phone call. And I'm afraid he's not even making the phone call because Daryl is probably going to say, hey, let's start with Dame. And Neil's going to want to hang the phone up. And then he's going to go, okay, don't twist my arm. What do you think about CJ? And then Neil's going to want to hang the phone up. And that's the mistake. And that is ultimately, I hope to be wrong on this. I never have a problem being wrong, but I don't have any faith that he's doing his actual job, which is calling to a desperate team who does not want to be in training camp with a guy who's not there and bitching and moaning on the side. It's yep. a bad look. and unfortunately, It's a disaster
1: for, for in that respect.
2: It's, it's an absolute disaster because now players are going to be asked about it. Doc's going to be asked about it. Somebody's going to have some snipey answer because they're going to be like, I'm done answering these questions, but you've got to ask him if you're the media. And so Neil should be calling. It's it's malpractice to not be attempting to make that move. Yeah. And yet, because he found him from Lehigh, he's not going to make the move.
1: So we talked about this a little bit on, on Thursday with Justin. Um, Fentress and Gina Mizell had the— kind of like the group piece and the quote that i i talked about in there uh basically uh as a, somebody from the inside the blazers organization which i'm assuming at this point is probably neil um just the way that it's phrased was that there's this worry that damon ben simmons couldn't work together
2: couldn't coexist on the court
1: is batshit crazy um it's just like it's just not, it's just insane when, you, when you're talk like, there's plenty of things you can talk about, like Ben Simmons' work ethic, um, how he would be able to fit into the Portland culture, being out of the big city. Like, those kind of things, those are valid, valid questions. Like, does do the Blazers want to deal with clutch more, like a preeminent clutch? Like, Nurk's a clutch player, but he's not a clutch, clutch guy. You know, like, right. he's not uh, on the marquee. Like, it's Ben Simmons in big letters and then with Yusuf Nurkic on the marquee kind of deal. Ben is capital B, capital S, right? Um... But the whole, like, would they fit together? If you're swapping CJ for Ben, the usage is there. Like, Ben is fitting right in as far as having the ball in his hands. Damon spent his entire career essentially basically playing with CJ, a guy who has the ball in his hands a ton. So from that respect, that's insane. But here's the thing. I don't believe, just talking around, asking around, I firmly believe that, Maury is locked in on Damian Lillard, and is not willing to accept CJ yet.
2: It's not going to happen unless no. Dan that Dame demands it. It's just not happening. But even, but have, even then, that's stupid. I I I genuinely
1: believe that it's going to take like it it's going to have to grind to a screeching halt in Philadelphia. Like it's like as bad as it looks right now, it's got to get bad bad. Like Ben's going to have to like james harden it like james gave up money didn't go to practice was at the strip
2: club like he met with their brass in los angeles and told them to their faces elton brand daryl moore and josh harris and said f you guys i'm done i don't want to be there anymore i don't know they
1: need they it's it's got it's got to be how do you make it worse no he's got to go james harden i'm telling you he it's got to like to where in this remember this is philly the Philly media, I think it was a Fox News affiliate in Philly, ran a I clip yeah. where an actual newscast, an actual like evening news said, we've spotted Ben Simmons leaving the city of Philadelphia, and they showed a trash can floating down the river and flooded Philadelphia. Like They want him gone. Now, here's the thing. If all of a sudden we're at training camp and Ben's not there, Do you think it's going to get real loud? Oh, yeah. That's when it's... it's, It ain't going to get quiet. That's the thing. That's when the pressure is going to get turned up, and that's when every player, every coach, Daryl Moore, everyone is going to get asked about this, and it's just going to become toxic as hell because it got near that with Houston. With, with james harden last
2: year yeah he showed up late remember he showed up and when they basically
1: had the framework for the deal that's what it. Yeah. that's what changed it's like here okay I'll, I'll come back i'll play nice soldier because i know you're calling brooklyn right now and you're trying to get this done that that's what that was like it, it was like hey let me get into game shape
2: kind of a deal but i got a buddy that um he works for wip sports radio mm-hmm. uh, in philly and he does the afternoon show He really successful and i i talked to him from time to time And I asked him I was like Hey I I don't I'm pretty sure Portland won't deal Dame unless Dame demands out Mm -hmm. It would Would you guys Or would the media The fans etc Would you guys want CJ McCollum And he basically Was like We do not want CJ McCollum We will be pissed If they settle For CJ McCollum Because they don't Think CJ McCollum Is anywhere near The player that Damian Lillard is I don't blame him For the opinion But that's where The fan and media Reaction is at That's
1: where I don't That's why it has To get toxic Why it has to get Sideways because Maury knows that. Because yeah. they, they spent this whole time. And don't get it twisted. Ben is a better player than C.J. McCollum. There's there's there it's is not even a debate. No, the, C.J. is a top forty guy. Ben is a top twenty five guy. If he gave a damn, is probably a top 50. He's the best defender in the NBA. Yep. That that part of it is. That's it. He's the best defender in the NBA. He's probably one of the five best passers in the NBA.
2: I feel like those two skill sets alone should be putting you in the top 15. But but he's not giving a damn. Yes.
1: And here's the thing. We just talked about Marquise Chris and Dennis Smith Jr. and not being able to stay in the league because they don't have a skill. We can talk about what Ben Simmons doesn't do until the cows come home. But what he does do, he's one of the best and the best at. And that's how a guy who's fundamentally broken, who can't shoot, who has mental breakdowns in games as far as not dunking and passing, all that crap, it does not matter. Because he's so good at the other things that you just figure it out because it's a talent league. So as far as like, would the Blazers consider trading for Simmons? I genuinely believe if CJ plus... A first, CJ plus a first and Nas. If that was a palatable package for Philadelphia, I think Portland would do it. As much as I think Neil wants to hold on to CJ, I I genuinely believe because it's such a talent upgrade at things that you need because they don't have, like Dame's a very good playmaker, but he's a scorer. Ben is a no BS playmaker. That is yep. what he does. That, that is his freaking 10. Getting downhill. He has created more three-point looks than anybody else in the NBA. So here's a crazy stat for you. Ben Simmons doesn't shoot threes, right? Nope. So you would think his impact for shooting threes for the team.
2: Well, he doesn't pick up. Well, yeah, of course he when does. When he tweets out the video.
1: Yeah, of course he does. <laughs> but with Ben Simmons on the floor, do you know what the, what the 76ers shot from three as a team?
2: Oh, that's a great that's a great stat question. I'm gonna say when Ben Simmons was on the floor, the sixers shot thirty-seven percent.
1: Forty percent. Would have been yes, good sir. for second in the NBA. Yep. Guess what they shot with Ben Simmons off the floor?
2: Thirty two.
1: Twenty-eight.
2: I wonder how they how did they get that twelve percent, Danny? Tell me.
1: Hmm. It's weird. It's almost like Ben Simmons creates some of the best looks in the NBA from three.
2: It's wild.
1: He, everybody, and this is the same thing about, everybody gets mad about Giannis. He needs to learn how to shoot. He's mad about Giannis. How do we get mad about Giannis? He needs to learn how to shoot. He needs to be a better shooter. I don't disagree, but this is, again, like, the whole idea of, like, Phil Beckner, like, what he was talking about. Like, be great at things. Ben is one of three players in the NBA who, if they want to drive, there's not a damn thing you can do about it. It's LeBron, it's Ben, it's Giannis. If they want to get downhill, they're so damn big, so damn strong, and so explosive, there's
2: nothing you can do. Nothing. Maybe Kawhi when he's 100% healthy. But, but again, maybe. Like, you're, but, you're talking about yeah. the best players in the league. And LeBron is in this conversation, and we're talking about Ben Simmons.
1: Yes. like You can probably put Luka there, too, as far as yeah. like. But yep. there's, you're talking about MVPs. Right. That And Ben is like, in that group when it comes to getting downhill. Franchise players. And he gets downhill, he can pass with the right, he can pass with the left, he can pass on the move. He is a superlative laden passer. There's nothing passing wise that he can't do. There are actual limitations on Damon CJ as passers and playmakers. Ben does not have those. And that's that's where I think a lot of the stuff gets lost. And I know we spent a ton of time on this. Um uh, Curry uh, at Jacob Curry twenty two. Do you think a Simmons trade will happen when we'll Neil screwed up like he always does? I, I. Want I don't to, know if he screws it up though. Uh, look, I, I, I want I, to dunk dunk on Neil plenty, but I don't think yeah. this is a Neil thing as it sits right now.
2: Not yet. If it, if if Roge or Haynes or Stein or somebody. If comes we hear out, CJ's
1: of it not been included or something along those yes. lines,
2: or, then or then you riot. Yeah, or Philly's, like, open to the idea of a non-Damian Lillard caliber player, just a scorer, a playmaker, and yep. obviously C.J. fits the billing of that. If that report comes CJ out— C.J. is in-
1: the preeminent guy. don't let, let's, let's not like, get it twisted. Right. Like, it's Dame, it's Beal. Those are the two guys that they want more than anything with Ben. But the next tier down, if you're talking about shot-creating scores, if you're not talking about Brandon Ingram with the size, and even then— I don't think he's the shot creator or playmaker that CJ can be. Um, there's just, it, it's a, it's a significant drop. Like if Oladipo was like Oladipo from two years ago, you could make that argument that maybe he's in that kind of group, but
2: there's just can I can I give you a very random one to yeah. just throw at you and just pick your brain? So I was thinking about this the other day of player caliber players available for Philly that are not Dame or Bradley Beal. Mm-hmm. And that you're so right. The list is not big. Let me just throw a hypothetical non-blazer at you real quick. If you're Denver and you, you know Murray? you're no, mm. you're getting Murray back. Do you kick around the Michael Porter thing? They still think Porter
1: is all NBA caliber.
2: I I, I don't disagree with them. I think he's good, but he hasn't reached it yet. Ben I think Simmons they trade has. Murray first. Okay, see that's that'd be an interesting move. But I, I was just thinking non CJ McCollum players, and I couldn't think of. I had to take myself to places it hadn't been yet
1: cuz they, they they need a playmaker more They than do they, need a playmaker more than anything if if Ben goes out they need a playmaker
2: And Jokic can shoot from th- like Jokic can shoot anywhere so it's like that's not a real it's you know, not a real problem for them. Somebody
1: mentioned something in the, in the show when we had with Justin on uh like when we asked I asked Justin you know who who's a better fit alongside Ben than Dame and Steph was obviously the obvious answer Somebody said uh in the comments after the the, the show uh Jokic in Denver and I, I don't disagree, but here's why I don't think it's the best fit. Because Jokic wants the ball in the middle of, of the floor. He
2: wants to start near the block yes. versus or, at the top. Yeah. Or
1: even at the at the elbow. When you're yeah. if you have him there, that's right. an area occupied, which is a lot of like what Joe LMB does, that that doesn't really like hinder Ben, but it does neutralize him a little bit. But Jokic is such a supreme passer. You figure it out. Yeah, but I, I do. I think that's very interesting because let's say let's say they did, for whatever reason, send Murray out. If if the if the Nuggets ran, six uh, eleven Jokic, six ten Michael Porter, six ten Ben Simmons, that's that's a particular kind of hell. I just I I don't I don't want to see anything along those lines um, for the Denver Nuggets. I just it's I wa- I have no interest in that.
2: No, I, I know I I don't want to get too sidetracked. I just. I hope it gets to the point where Daryl and Philly have to say it's CJ's the best we're gonna do. And it could still help our team. We could still be really good. Justin made some really good points of despite losing Ben defensively, you can still be a good group because you have Matisse, you still have Danny Green, like Toby have,
1: and Joel, like you still got yes. guys that are like capable.
2: Yes, your group won't fall off quite as much as you think. And I thought that was a great point that I hadn't thought about. My concern really just it boils down to Neil and I don't know if Neil you seem more optimistic that it could happen in dire straight situations I just don't know if it can that's just it's just one of those he's never where... made that caliber of move no and never. and
1: and Mori has Maury yes. has made those moves
2: like four uh, times
1: <laughs> so this is, get, again, a lot of the Ben Simmons stuff. This is from Dave Myers at DEM1976. How in the bloody hell could someone with eyeballs look at Ben Simmons and not immediately visualize the art that would result from playing alongside Dame? Please wildly speculate as to what could possibly be going through the unnamed source in the organization Fenters cited. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think we're getting a fair amount of that in the sense of, yeah, yeah, there's not a, it's not a, not, a, not a great idea, not a great look. Um, let me take this tremendous white glare off my face because I'm gonna
2: I'm gonna say real quick before you finish, of all the poll questions I've seen, multiple outlets, us, my radio show, our radio station, Blazers Edge, like I feel like I've seen these kind of poll questions for the last year. When you do a poll, would you trade Ben Simmons for CJ? Would you put CJ in a sim? Like it is overwhelming.
1: How many people say no?
2: see i i for us it's I've seen the other one yes 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 and like the really? last one we ran it was like 88 to 12 yes people I, I think people are done with this man i, I really I think, people... I, I think
1: they are but I literally just saw one a little while ago okay and it was like cJ in a first round pick and like how many people said yes immediately was like 33 percent I think there's like these pockets and everybody gets in their own echo chambers of like sure you know, whether you listen to this station or you listen to this podcast or you listen right. to this show. Like, and I think people find, like, there's the people who just want to hear the Blazers are great. Everything they do is great. And so trading CJ is a sin. It's, you know, hallowed be thy name, CJ. You know, it's sure. and there's other people who are like, CJ's a bum. And it's like, no, 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 no. hold your break. Like, it's... <laughs> It's like, we don't need to go that far. Like, there's a spot in between, guys. I promise you. He's not. He doesn't need to be sainted, and he and he doesn't need to be sent to hell. Like, there's a spot in between where we can go. Hey, CJ's a damn good player. Right. He doesn't doesn't get maximized here in Portland. Ben Simmons. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, get into a couple email questions. Uh, from Stephen Gray. Uh, I pocketed these for a little while, Stephen. So uh, just because we had so much other other stuff going on, I feel like I wanted to. to to work these in later uh this is stefan big fans of the pod is there a world where you can see chauncey billups being a real positive change something like the transition from mark jackson to steve kerr where they emphasize ball movement and moving Dame off ball maybe even unlock nurk nurk the way kerr did with draymond i just feel like the national media already put a fork in the team when there's an actual chance to play a lot better under the new philosophy thoughts
2: i i think to, to, to answer part of that i think uh chauncey hinted at it as presser and I think we're going to see it and hear about it even more in a couple of weeks when the team starts doing training camp, I would fully expect to watch them try to use Nurkic in a Nikola Jokic light version mm-hmm. this season. Now, will they be able to do it all year? I don't know because a lot of that's going to hinge on what Dame does and how okay Dame is with all of it. But I, I think from what Chauncey told us at the press conference, pair that with, remember, Nurkic post the playoff loss, he – took shots at Stotts, I think he wants the ball more. And I think because of his passing ability, his ability to set good screens at the top of the key, I, I, I think we're going to see more uh, Nurkic kind of be a distributor slash set some offensive sets go through him versus not seeing it as much with Terry.
1: So here's the thing I find a little bit funny here. Yeah. We're we're, we're wondering whether or not Dane could, you know, play with Ben Simmons, but he's going to give the ball up to Nurk more.
2: I mean you're identifying an obvious. I'm just saying I think that's what <laughs> I think that's what they're gonna try to do with Nurkic, Listen, And, they'll get it and wrong. They could totally do a Ben Simmons, but
1: Listen, no, I, I I love getting Nurk more involved. I I have said that for years getting him involved, particularly in the elbows and the high post, having them do some more high low actions, getting some other things. And here's this whole thing. Everybody thinks it's so 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 very simple. Well, Dame just needs to move off ball. Dean could have moved Buff Ball anytime in the last ten years. Anytime. Terry Stotts is not the authoritative dictator who has the all-encompassing uh, force to make everything happen. I think yeah. there's this idea of what NBA coaches are and aren't that is nowhere close to reality. I,
2: I mean, think their personality managers almost more than anything else. Yes,
1: the, the X's and O's stuff. Everybody, for the most part, runs the same stuff. Across the board, you have little wrinkles. teams know when
2: each other's running.
1: Yeah, and you have little wrinkles here or there. It's personnel. Dame has said, I would love to get off ball. Then give the damn ball up, Dame. Give the ball up. Give the ball to Nurk in the middle of the floor and get him more involved and work less off the bounce. The thing is, he's not going to because he has not made that jump in his mind yet. He is not willing. Why? Because he's averaging 30 a game. He's putting up the he just had the best statistical season in Trailblazers history last year. Why? Why would the hell would he give the ball up? Right. And it was like, oh, the Blazers would be better with that. He just got a multi million dollar deal. He is one of the most prolific athletes in the world doing what he has been doing. Why would he change it? Everybody wants to say it's a simple fix. It's a simple fix. He got here doing it one way. Why would he change it?
2: It's turning into you know LeBron's going to push the pace and they're going to run fast up and down the court and then every year we hear that and what does LeBron do? <laughs> Walks the ball up, dribbles, passes, gets the ball back and with five seconds he shoots the ball. It's they can't change who they are. You can't no. change
1: your stripes, man. Is if it was easy to work off ball, we would have seen Steph Curry before Steph Curry.
2: So what do they say? Because here is the thing: I'm not going to be on asking zoom questions i just i'm not interested in it on a nightly basis i don't know if they want i don't know if
1: they want me asking zoom questions this year
2: right but say we're 30 games in and there's clearly no evidence that nurk is being used differently or dame's usage rate and the amount of times he's staying off the ball like all that stuff has not changed is anybody gonna ask that question of hey i thought you're gonna hear me click
1: the button on raise hand in zoom conference uh uh yeah chauncey Hi, uh, Danny Mering. First time, long time. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. Remember when you said? Yeah. It doesn't appear that that's happening. Like, they're not going to have an answer for that, and they're going to basically BS their way out. I'm going to go full CJ McCollum and go. Oh,
1: uh, yeah. Uh, let me take a look at this paper here. I love how he every time he's up there, he, he always grabs the. Yep. The stat always looks at the box score. Yeah. Mm, mm, yeah. Yeah. Good. Good stuff. It's <laughs> like, like that's the first time, huh? Okay. Um. I do think they're going to do some stuff there. I, I I do, and this isn't to say that Dame can't change his stripes a little bit. I think, and that's where I like I, everybody wants to make these grand sweeping statements. If this, if this, if this, how about just a little bit? Yeah. let's get Dame to get the ball up a little bit let's get CJ to work off the ball a little bit let's right. get Nurk a little bit more involved let's get Cove a little bit more involved let's get Norman Powell a little let's just everybody do a little bit more in some cases and in some cases do a little bit less and see what we get that's I think this whole idea of like there's just going to be this big paradigm shift because Chauncey came in and I'm just like and the, not to, like, poo-poo this at all, because I do think they could make some actual changes and things that could be impactful and helpful. That was never my reasoning for not, like, wanting to throw out on the street. My whole reasoning there was, no, they've been pretty damn successful, and if you he's, look at the he's roster... He's not a bad coach. Yeah, I mean, it's like,
2: he's, he's, he's solid. Like, I always thought it was a roster problem, personally, but, you know, whatever. It, Budenholzer, it reached the end.
1: Perfect example. Like, yeah. they were going to fire him. They were a KD shoe size away from firing Mike Budenholzer. So uh, the Steve Kerr stuff, I do I think Kerr's a good coach? Yes. Do I think that it's exaggerated to absurdity?
2: Absolutely. Well, it's clearly been that since the last couple of years. I mean, what were they last year, right? Like, And again, I think they've Kerr's had injuries coach.
1: and all this other stuff. But we also saw Luke Walton win 24 straight games
2: with that team. Mike Brown.
1: So, yeah, we, we, we've seen this story play yeah. out. And yeah. the whole idea of unlocking Draymond Green. Draymond Green was a non-factor with the Warriors until he started because David Lee went down. That's that's what happened. I mean, you had Steph get healthy. You had Clay take another. You had three Hall of Famers take huge steps. Yep. If the Blazers have three Hall of Famers take huge steps, guess what? Chauncey's going to look like a really damn good coach. Yeah. So, oh, no. No kidding. Um, listen, I'm all for it. Great. If, if C.J. Dame, Nurk, Norm, everybody, you know, these guys have the you know the, the years of their careers, and Ant is the sixth man of the year candidate, and Larry Nance Jr. unlocks the second unit, and Cody Zeller plays all 82 games, and they have this fantastic front court rotation. Awesome. Great. I just, it's very, very hard for me to see it happening.
2: Yeah. So,
1: all right, we'll wrap it up there. Went a little bit longer on the Mailbag Pod just because, uh, well,
2: well, we love basketball, you know, and we love answering the questions. We
1: do. And uh, thank you, everybody, for getting the questions in. Um, as always, you can you can hit either Brandon or I or the Jack Ramsey's account up on Twitter. That's at Jack Ramsey's, at Danny Morang, or at Brandon Sprague. Uh, you can email the show at yeah. Jack or excuse me, Jack Ramsey's at gmail.com. Uh, Brandon, what do you got coming this week, man?
2: Uh, we got a really busy week, man. We'll talk a little bit about the Simmons stuff on the radio show on 1086 to 9 a.m., Monday through Friday. But this week is going to be— You got foosball. We got foosball. We got that foosball. We got the NFL kicking off on Thursday. Brady's going to kick Dallas's ass, which I'll quite enjoy. And Listen, then... everybody enjoys
1: that. Let's be honest. I'm a Raiders fan, and I like enjoying it because the Raiders are going to play the Cowboys and also beat their ass. So
2: You either like the Cowboys you hate the Cowboys. Um, and then we got Oregon at Ohio State this week reacting to their Fresno stake in that they almost lost. lost. Oregon State losing to Purdue. Can they go 2-1 and one in non-conference? Who's their quarterback? And what the hell is going on in Seattle? Paired with oh. Big Ball's Chip Kelly might be back and how the South is kind of shaking out in the Pac-12. So it's going to be a busy week Substantially better than the North, (laughs) and I can't disagree with anything. Yeah,
1: it's it's going to be interesting in that regard. Um, As always, folks, thank you so, 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 so much. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the show. Uh, like rate review subscribe Uh, that's on iTunes that's on Google Podcasts that's on Spotify that's on YouTube we are everywhere across the board and again thank you so much for the first month being an absolute it's been amazing killer Uh, like I said we finished top 30 in the world for NBA podcasts for the first month in the launch uh, thank you all so much as and or a quick reminder I need to be better about putting this at the beginning refugee care org all of the proceeds from the show this month are going to that charity uh, we also have a special note from a uh, from a, a Ramsey family member
2: we uh, do give me one second I'll pull it up real quick because uh, I want to I want to make sure
1: we we are our namesake is Jack Ramsey, obviously after Dr. Jack Ramsey. Uh, yep. And we did seek permission from the Ramsey family to so, um, use the Ramsey name. And this is what we got.
2: So I emailed uh, his son, Chris. I got his email from our good friend, Michael Llewellyn, who is a really good friend. He works at UP. He's worked for the Blazers and he passed along. And so we reached out to make sure everything is all copacetic with using the Ramsey name. And he said, thanks for reaching out. Appreciate what you're doing with the pod. Please use the name in good faith. Also, if you could, please promote on your platform maybe once a month. The Africa Outreach USA um, charity. It's a charity that his dad, Jack Ramsey, actually helped launch. And they're trying to help kids in Africa live better lives through sports, uh, especially basketball. And to be able to help being taken care of. So, the link that he gave me was in AOUSA website, and it's AfricaOutreachUSA.org. That's AfricaOutreachUSA.org. Any donations would be very welcomed. And uh, just to throw that out there, we'll probably do that once a month here on the pod because we do respect the Ramsey name a lot. That's why it's in the name of the podcast. And so that's a charity that means an awful lot to the family itself. Africaoutreachusa.org.
1: And in all likelihood we'll probably do what we did for the refugee fund here um, probably for that 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 charity as well as I said. Absolutely. we we want to take this and don't get me wrong, Brandon and I both want to make some money from this, and it's growing at a pace that, guess what, it's making money already. So, um, But we want to be able to take and give that stuff back because that's part of what this stuff is all about. Um, and you guys, this we're, we're, we're trying to foster and build a community here. Um, love it, hate it. Uh, listen, I, I love folks that hate watch the show, uh, that hate watch the podcast, hate listening to the podcast. God bless you. Uh, yeah. you're, all, you're all the best. Um, so, again, if you have the capacity, if you have the ability, I know it's tough times for a lot of people out there. The thing is, it's tougher for, for people outside of this country. So yeah. um, thank you all so, so, so much for listening. Uh, we'll catch you guys next time. Remember, like, rate, view, subscribe, follow everything. And we'll have the live show on Thursday. I'm very, very close to booking guests in. Uh, I'm getting follow-up after Labor Day. Um, nice. And then we will know who, what, when, and where, and why. Uh, so keep those questions coming. And uh, we'll catch you guys next time, guys. Bye.